episode 176 of Tallboy Radio. Now, tonight isn't the episode that we had planned for you, but we always have one in the back pocket, the old skyrocket, just in case. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago now on social media truth bombs. We're going to do something a little bit similar again tonight, but this time there's a couple more of us. So who wants to say hello first? first um looking forward to this i, I, I missed the um the, the last episode that you sort of did something similar so i've got no idea what's in store no idea where we're going to go no idea what letters we're going to make but we'll, we'll have fun along the way indeed we will dave evening evening all truth bombs i hope we don't get any a truth social i am interested you said we've got a couple more than last time so who, who's the fourth well well there's not. There's just the three of us, as it just so turns up. But we did five social media clips last time. I've got six, so that's our bonus one. How does that work um, out for you? I'll do. Cool. Right, so you know the principle. I'm going to play you a clip that's been shared on social media that is perpetrated as a truth, if you will. I'm going to see what you guys make of it, see if you believe it to be truthful, factual, or just talk about whatever's said in it. So let's play the first clip. See, I think there are two ways in which people are controlled. First of all, frighten people, and secondly, demoralize them. An educated, healthy, and confident nation is harder to govern. And I think there's an element in the thinking of some people. We don't want people to be educated, healthy, and confident because they would get out of control. <laughs> the top 1% of the world's population own 80% of the world's wealth. It's incredible that people put up with it, but they're poor, they're demoralized, they're frightened, and therefore they think perhaps the safest thing to do is take orders and hope for the best. Right. Did anybody recognize the voice, first of all? Yeah, but if you put me on the spot and say, who is it? I'm trying to picture oh, yeah. who it is. It's a politician, isn't it? It's a very famous politician of our era, David. Yes, I know. It's, it's. oh, God, I do know. I do know. No, I, 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 you'll, you'll say it and I'll go, yeah, of course, but I, I literally can't. I can't replace it. It's Tony Benn. That was a terrible impression. That was more Bernard Manning. I apologise. Yeah, so Tony Benn, very famous Labour politician from back in the day. What did you make then of what he said? Bear in mind, that was said quite a few years ago. You know, I think something that's probably a little bit more prevalent today, but I think it still holds true. That that we're all suppressed by the 20% of 80% of the wealth. Well... Not necessarily suppressed, but the system, the system is in place that benefits the people who are incredibly wealthy. And the danger of us becoming more educated and more wise is that we could take more control and take more of an interest and understand maybe that the political system is not set up in our interest. And therefore question those that are running the country and governing the political system, meaning that they then have less control. Interesting. I'd sort of heard something similar to say it wasn't it wasn't that particular sort of speech as such, but I had heard something similar said by somebody else that, that mentioned and he didn't say underprivileged and he, he he used another term, but it effectively he's saying the same thing is that people who are in power sort of in a way rule through fear but it's not fear as in you're scared of them it's fear as in fear of being educated and therefore questioning the decisions that they're making and that was the sort of premise do i buy into it oh, i don't know 
I don't know, do we fall into this whatever percent of educated people and therefore can make up our own decisions? I don't know. I, I don't know. We uh, certainly what do you don't. think, what do you think I'm assuming that by your little intro at the start, you, you believe that to be true then? I believe there's an element of truth in it. Now, I've never been a Labour voter and I'll never be a Labour voter, let me make that very clear. And back in the day, I was probably quite critical of Tony Benn. But when I hear him say things like that, a little bit of it does resonate with me in terms of we covered it a little bit last week when, or the week before, whenever we, we did that episode with Russell Brand and what he had to say about the rich getting richer and how they control the system and it benefits them. We, you know, as far as I can see, there's, there's a great deal of truth in that. Whether it's intentional to keep us just stupid enough to keep the system running and not intelligent enough to overthrow it, I don't know. But I, I certainly I certainly believe there's definitely, definitely some truth in this. I don't think the political system, I know Dave disagrees with me on this one a little, I don't think the political system works for us. I don't think it does. We're supposed to select our MPs to represent our interests, not to have them tell us what to do. And, 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 and that seems to me a little bit the way it's gone the last, certainly the last couple of years. But I suspect it's probably been a little bit that that way for a while. Yeah, I think I think it, I don't think you can say that there's a a government initiative to suppress education. Um, you you could argue that schools don't get enough funding and that teachers are overworked, but I don't think there's an agenda to suppress education or an agenda to steer the subjects and topics that are taught that keeps you away from real world knowledge that can help you make decisions about life and politics on a broader picture yeah I, I i know what you're saying but i do think when it comes to politics there's a little bit of obfuscation there in terms of the way it works isn't for me the way that it should work we're told we're brought up to believe in this truth and fair system that we've created and if we don't vote then we don't get to criticize because we didn't do our political bit by by sharing our vote and putting somebody who we don't trust in a position to do something that we should be trusting them to do. Uh, yeah, I've, I've lost, in the last two, three years, I've lost a lot of faith in politics. And, you know, I, and I suspect the faith I had before may have been misplaced. So the $64,000 question, then what do you do about it then, kid? Well, therein, therein lies the problem. Therein lies the problem. And, and the, the, the political system if I, I mean, I, I didn't study politics and never have done, but my, my rudimentary understanding of the political system is that it's been around for <laughs> what feels like centuries old, you know, it's written in statute and uh, and it, it would take an absolutely, you know, massive seismic shift in, in the way that we run things and the political system now has got its tentacles into education, into industry, into uh, a lot of your, 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 your corporate businesses, a lot of your, your state businesses, a lot of your private industry. And, and, all, and, and for us to change the way that fundamentally we elect the people, if indeed we go to a democracy and we elect, and, and, and I don't know, I, 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 just, I just don't see it happening because... Okay, let, let me, if, I, if I've got it right, they worry about people rising up against them and they worry about the educated people rising up against them. Does that mean that if you went to a very anarchic system that all of the, anar the, the anarchics, the anarchos, whatever you would call them, are 
very educated people out for their own gain? Is, is that no? Is I, that I, the... I, I think you're missing the point here. It's not about anarchy. It's about democracy, and what we have now is a image of democracy that's held up to us that we are expected to participate in. So, what would true democracy be then? Well, democracy wouldn't be having someone who we elect to do our bidding, then not do our bidding, and then tell us what to do. Taking away our rights in terms of protest. You know, it's been changed over the last three years now that the rules on protest are much more more stringent. And we saw it with the the coronation. The, you know, the people were, were treated quite severely just for holding up placards saying that they disliked the monarchy. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's every reason to dislike the monarchy. There's every reason to love them. I get that. I see both sides of the argument. But it's dangerous. And that we're sat here now talking about it, and we aren't, we can't come up with a system between the three of us. I, I wouldn't expect that. But what we can't do is recognize that this system is not functioning for us. This system is not set up for us. And the idea of presenting uh, an alternative is beyond our means. So does that therefore mean that we aren't educated enough to understand a way to create a system which is fundamentally more fair for everybody? Don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you could, I mean, it, it, you could do a whole singular episode on 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 this, let, let alone a sort of quick ten minutes sort of soundbite. I, I don't know. I, I think. I think you're right, Adam. I think I think Tony Ben was right when he said, "What did he say? You know, one percent of the population own eighty percent of the world's wealth, or ninety percent of the world's wealth, or whatever." And and you do see, you know, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, and the and the, and the gap between those that have and those that have not getting bigger. You know, you're looking at even now, you know, 2023. You're looking at the food crisis, and you're looking at the energy bills, and you're looking at all of that. And actually, the people that have aren't really worried about that. And the people that haven't are worried about that, and that's just creating a bigger divide. What the answer is, crikey, come on, you boys did the politics, you know, you you, you come up with it. I was going to say, I think that there is a, a slow but steady move to devolve a lot of powers locally, uh, and I think that's there is a massive discord. I mean, there's there's two things, isn't there? There's your local community and your environment and what happens near you that affects you more on a day-to-day -day basis. And then there's the big issues, you know, taxation, the main central taxation, you know, the, the general economic strategy of the government, the, our foreign policy, those kind of things that are quite moved from your day-to-day. -day. And I, I think there is a general move to, to decentralise a lot of stuff. But unfortunately, it, it all comes back to money. And you can decentralise, but you've got to raise the money somehow. And if centralised government is giving you more and more money, you're not really kind of, you know, you're not kind of having the freedom at a local level because you've been dictated to. The money's being controlled. You can only spend it on X, Y, and Z. Do you want to spend more? You've got to raise it locally. You've got to put your council tax up and things like that. So it's quite difficult. But that won't ever, you know, allow you to change the big picture stuff. You can only do that by changing the central government. And as we discussed. The episode one before last, I think a lot of the difficulties come because of the social media and the tabloid press and how politicians are portrayed, that they, they do get paralysed into not perhaps acting as freely or as openly as they perhaps want to 
because every turn they take is criticised and they're hounded out of a job. You'll get, you know, Suella Braveman currently, she asked a civil servant if it's possible to take uh, a driver awareness course in private. And that's, you know, it's now blown up into a massive thing that she should be fired because basically she would say, I don't want to sit on a course with eight strangers. I'm the Home Secretary. That's, I don't want to do that. Now that could be, you know, entitlism, elitism, or just, you know, her own ego, but it's a fairly straightforward question. But because she asked a civil servant, it's deemed to be breaking the ministerial code because she's she's not acting in the best interest. And yeah. it just gets massively out. So that people calling for her to be sacked and inquiries. You think, oh, just get over it. Yeah. How are these politicians supposed to be honest and open if being doing the most simple things like asking a question is just hounded so that you know people are trying to get you out of a job? It's, it's weird because one of the, the courses I'm doing at the moment, the MPQH course, and, and we talk about sort of leadership, leadership styles and all of that. And, and one of the things that I said was that, and it, it, I think it sort of, it, it sort of backs up what you're saying, Dave, is that I don't think there's any leader that, and I might be wrong, but I don't think there's any leader that, it, certainly in education that I know really, that would want to diminish the people under them from solving problems and from making progress because of fear of recrimination so you would never want staff to not do something and not look to progress and not look to get better and not look to find the solutions because there were fear that there was fear of repercussions yeah don't get me wrong you're going to need to maybe give some constructive criticism along the way maybe give some coaching or some mentoring or anything like that but but what you want to do is you want to try to empower the people to make those decisions so that then as a whole you can drive in the organization the school the company the government whatever it may be forward and i think i think you're right david as much as you know the politicians agree or disagree you know they are hounded to the nth degree and that they they, they they i get they have to be held to account mm. but but i think the level of account that they're held to sometimes just a little bit like and it's not the woke generation i think it's just a little bit like oh come on as you said they just you know they, they've said this just deal with it like well should i'm not saying they should get away with it everybody should be held to account in whatever whatever level of job industry business whatever it is they work in there, there should be levels of accountability and without strict levels of accountability our progress is difficult to chart and manage however Come on, just yeah, just just get over it. But I think the problem you've used, you just highlighted it there in both of your comments in terms of open and honesty. What gives them the right not to attend it? These are public servants, okay? They are public servants. They are there to do our bidding. They they don't get the right to not attend. If I ask the question, can I attend in private? I don't want to do it. No, of course you're not. Why should they? be deemed to be any different. So people, I think, are right to be upset by that because it demonstrates that elitism and the arrogance that, that is portrayed. And that is just another example of it for me. Now, there's a difference between asking whether you can pay to take it in, in a private forum, not in a public call where people could be recording it and then issuing it. I know it's, it's against the rules and if you did, you'd get in trouble, but these mm -hmm. things could get leaked. There's a difference between asking that is that possible? And saying, I am the Home Secretary, I demand to have this happening. And when she was told, no, it's not possible, she said, all right, I'll pay the fine, take the points. 
you know so you know it's it's and we don't know the absolute underlying question or context but it's just immediately assumed that it's bad and wrong and something where she's just said i asked the question he said no i said i'll take the final points why does it have to be front news press and houndy for inquiries and this that and the other i get you it doesn't need to be front news press but i i i think it's it's an indication of their attitude and approach you know what i mean in terms of the well i'm a politician why should i have to do this and that's the perception maybe that's the way it's portrayed in the media and on social media but i do think that that is it's 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 indicative of the problem but if i if i fire back to you ad and say um okay and and i didn't know that you could request a private meeting or whatever but if if you knew that you were able to ask at least ask that question and you had the same charges as Braverman, would you not ask the question and see if you could do it in private and if you got the answer no then or you know would you just be happy just to turn up either you know if there were people that you knew that would be there that would see you and maybe leak conversations that you make innocently within that meeting and all of a sudden that becomes front page news if you knew you had the opportunity to ask that question to say, can I actually have it privately? And then if the answer is no, oh, okay, fair enough, I'll just pay the fine. But she obviously knew she was able to ask that question, so she just asked the question. <laughs> I find it I find it bizarre that we're making excuses for them. But no, no, I've done three speed awareness courses and never once have I had to say any of them in private. No, but, but, neither no, have I learned my no, lesson no, about speed. No, but, the point, I think the point, no, but the point is, Ad, is... I, I wasn't even aware, I mean, I've been a speed awareness course, and, and I wasn't even aware that you could even ask the question as to whether or not you could do it privately. And I think that's the point. Well, can, we we don't believe you can. Can you do it privately? I don't know. That's no, the, no, well, that's no, the whole t- point. She was told no. But think about it, right? She goes on to the course, and you know, Ad, you, you've done a few, and you and you get asked questions, and, and, and you get, I've done one uh, not long ago. I've done one. You get asked questions about what what do you think the speed speeding limit is on this this road, and he goes round and and everyone gives an answer. Now you can imagine her saying forty when it's thirty, that will be on the front news of the paper. So Ella oh, yeah. doesn't even know the speed limit. How is she fit to run our country? Doesn't know the law. Doesn't know the doesn't law. Know, on doesn't our know roads. How can she? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, you, well, there's the question. There is the question. Unfortunately, if you put yourself in that position, you have to expect to be held to account for your actions. Now, I get done for speeding, and I have done, like I said before, and I accept it. You know, that's the way it goes. And, you know, and I'm sure, like you say, she's accepted it herself and, and fair play to for that, what have you. But ultimately, you take account for it. And if I'm a politician, people are going to talk about it. You know, and that and that's just what you have to accept. It's the price they pay for uh, a, a fairly decent salary nowadays, and the right to earn other money and get to decide our futures. Uh, you know, I think that is that's par for the course. Yeah, yeah, but that's the problem, isn't it? It, it shouldn't have to be to that extent. You know, you shouldn't have to fear going on a speed awareness course and giving the wrong answer to a question and then have that on the front news, ridiculing you, undermining you. How you, how do you expect inverted commas normal people to want to be politicians if that, if they know that's what's going to happen? Well, do, do normal people want to be politicians though? Is, is, you know, is that the, 
Is that what we're missing? Because bear in mind, they are supposed to be representing us. They are supposed mm -hmm. to be a representative of the people. The likes, all right, I don't know this lady you're talking about, but the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg don't strike me as particularly representative of the population. Not the population, but you can't represent everybody. I, I would, I would, you know, I, I've talked about it. There's no way I'd do it because I've got a family. If I wasn't married with kids, I'd be quite interested in being involved in politics. But I, there's just no way. Absolutely, the media absolutely keeps me well away from that. I think there's another side, and I know, like, okay, and, and you can comment on this as you will, but I remember reading Johnny Marr's autobiography, and he met uh, Ken Livingstone, yeah? And he met him, and he thought he has never met anybody. And bear in mind, he hung around with Morrissey for a good portion of time. He has ne never met anybody as obsessed with their own ego and as obsessed with the idea of fame and people looking at them as Ken Livingstone. And then he thought, what a horrible, vile individual this man is. And then met a number of other politicians and found them all to be quite similar. In terms of that ego, I think protects them a little bit. And I think that's probably indicative of why she thought, why can't I just ask if I can just do it by myself? You know, I think, you know, we get away a little bit from that, which is a very minor, trivial issue in the terms of, in terms of the, uh, of the politics, not in just this country, but in the Western world and probably other parts, but the ones that are visible to us because of the media and Bearing in mind, we have the trusted media bill at the moment in the UK, whereas if it's not part of the, politi the politician's narrative, they can't put that in the press anyway. So, you know, it's, 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 you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you just said another one. You said it's, um, it's people are quite often unpleasant and it's that ego that, that you know, projects that unpleasantness. Um, but then it's the ego that protects them from all yeah. of the bad stuff. Totally, so totally. again, again, that's kind of supporting the, the view that because the media is so vile in the way they try to wreck people, only a certain type of people get to yeah. the very top. And well, this, this uh, is what we talked about, wasn't it? Like two, mm -hmm. three weeks ago in terms of to survive, we have to be as a human species, utterly, utterly selfish. And for those to profit and get to the top of the tree, they have to be a little bit more selfish than everybody else. And, and, and we're going down that old route again. Well, all doomed. <laughs> so we have another clip. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Do you go think now. there's extraterrestrials out there, Al, as well? What? Do you think there's aliens? You know, I've been asked that question hundreds of times. Are there, do you believe in aliens? And I say, yeah. Have you ever seen one? I say, yeah, I have. Well, how have you seen them? Well, I said, I look in the mirror every morning. <laughs> because that's what we are. <laughs> We we are the aliens, but we just we, we just we're think just, we're you know, we the just, thing. We just think they're somebody else, but we're the ones who came from somewhere else, because yeah. because somebody else had to survive, and they got in a little spacecraft, and they came here, and they landed, and they started civilization here. That's Trina, what I believe. And if you if, if you if you don't believe me, go 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 get books on the ancient Sumerians and see what they had to say. Uh, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah, just, they'll they'll, they'll, they'll tell you right up front. Do you know who that was? Someone talking a lot of sense. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no, I, 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 I'll, I'll listen to that argument definitely. That is Al Warden or Worden. Now he was a astronaut from the Apollo 15 mission. Are you familiar with the Apollo 15 mission? No. Last, no. last time we met. No, Dave, not that one. <laughs> 
It's not the one with the, the sticky back plastic and the no. pencil. No, 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 no. no Tom it's Hanks. Not. It's not the one with Tom Hanks, no. So Al Warden went round the moon 75 times. Yeah, he's landed on the moon, I believe. But yeah, he he went round. So he's seen the dark side of the moon, you'll be pleased to know. And he went round 75 times before returning to Earth. And he is a man who we, we trust to go up into space, but believes that aliens existed. And when we talk about survival, we talk about that level of selfishness that we talked about in these couple of episodes now. To preserve their race, landed here on Earth, and that's us. We're not made from a god. We're not come from monkeys. The missing link was a spacecraft landing in ancient Sumeria or somewhere like that. Yeah, well, he's he's clearly got a screw loose, or he's thought it's the best way to make uh, earn a living post uh, his astronaut career. Because, you know, he probably gets on interviews and paid to talk all the time off the back of saying aliens exist. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right there. But I think Ben Shepard, who was interviewing him at the time, kind of shut him down quite quickly when he, you know, they want to hear about a man who circulated the moon a few times or circumnavigated the moon a few times. But when he starts talking about something that makes him sound like a bit of a crank, <laughs> he, he was straight in there, wasn't he? What are your thoughts on that, guys? Because you just head straight off. I think this guy's making a little bit of sense. No, that's a bit tongue-in-cheek. I mean, and look, we, we, we've done a few alien episodes on CBR and a few sort of conspiracist episodes and stuff. I I, I think statistically, just by going by the numbers, that there has to be extraterrestrial life as such out there. You know, are they, are they what you would class as the greys, which is like, you know, you're you sort of... Um, very featureless faces or are they you know creatures that have got 15 arms or legs or I don't know what they look like but I just think statistically we seem to be very naive if we believe that there's only ever life on this insignificant piece of floating rock in an insignificant solar system that sits in an insignificant place in the universe I just think Statistically, there has to be, just from a purely maths point of view, other planets that have the same combination and the same elements in the right densities and quantities to sustain life. Now, is that life as we know it? I, are they all oxygen breathing? You know, probably not. But are there creatures? extraterrestrials whatever out there capable of respiration of a different type i don't know i just think that from a from a purely statistical point of view we we can't just be the only life out there and therefore if you therefore extrapolate that answer further who's to say that somewhere in the universe and i say even the known universe let alone the unknown universe there has to be life that we are significantly more advanced than yet there must be life that we are nowhere near as advanced as yet and therefore life is on the whole spectrum well if i take you back to the comments that we had in the last episode when we featured this we had brian cox on not actually unfortunately we had a little soundbite of him and he was sort of saying the reason why we've never come across any alien life form and the reason why we never will is because no one ever lasts long enough to contact each other. Mm-hmm. So, so they come and go so quick. 
Yeah. So when you think, time. yeah, if you yeah, if you think about the amount of time that man has actually been on this earth, you know, if you put it into days, it's something ridiculous, like literally the last five minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know, before midnight yeah. on New on New Year's Eve, that's how long man has been on the planet. Yeah. Realistically, how much longer have we got? So will we see them? So the idea is then there. What this guy believes, one way or another, and that's what we're assessing here, not whether there's life elsewhere, but did that life find its way here? I, I probably suspect that it did in some form of capacity, just because I do think that maybe there would be extraterrestrial life out there that would be capable, and, and you look at your Star Wars, Star Trek, you know, your light speed travel, and I do believe, because you look at, even from, from our own civilizations, you look at the Atlanteans or you look at the ancient Egyptians or you look at whoever that, that had, you know, that were meant to be, you know, super knowledgeable and have various sort of hidden knowledge and this, that and the other. So I, I do think that, or I'd like to think that there would be life out there that is much, much, much more civilized and uh, not civilized, but much more advanced than we are that have discovered light speed travel and have discovered interstellar travel etc etc and therefore again following the logical argument would have visited other planets or potentially been one of them so yeah I, I, I think that's I think that's an option I think that that's a credible argument what about you Dave uh, it's extremely unlikely for, for all the reasons of the size of the universe and the lifespan of any species but also, if someone had visited Earth, they'd have, you'd have think that there would be some kind of evidence, unless they just flew, said hello, and cleared off again. There was, there was, look, there's all sorts of articles and papers written in this and the other, but I, I find it hard to believe that independently of each other, across vast, vast distances on our planet across different time frames within our planet different people have had the same experiences and you might turn around and say they're just making it up but they can't make it up to the level of detail that everybody makes up exactly the same detail in exactly the same way so i, I is that alien abduction as such i don't know you know and, and i'm not going to go down there you know your typical and you'll have to excuse you know i don't mean any disparity comments you know your typical sort of oh he's a he's a whack job he's a wacko and, and all of that and i'm not saying that but for people to have experienced literally exactly the same experiences who have never had contact with each other never communicate with each other live on vastly different continents i i, I think that points towards potentially there has to be something Wow, if you give enough monkeys a typewriter and enough time, two of them are going to come out with the same story. It's true. It's true. It is. Well, here's a question, speaking of monkeys then. So we evolved from monkeys. We know this. That's the way that God intended. We, we developed from monkeys, don't we? So what, this is one of the arguments, and I'm being facetious when I say that. I can tell by your smirking faces you picks up on that. But... <laughs> but we, we, if we evolved, okay, and if evolution is a genuine, genuine thing, as the dominant species or race or animal, whichever way you look at it, on the planet, okay, so we, we, we developed in a way 
that we kept our eyebrows because it keeps sweat out of our eyes. So there was a purpose for them being there. Yet we still burn under the sun. We spend a lot of time in those days out in the sun. And our skin is still not adept to deal with it. Don't you think that potentially could lend itself to the argument? This is the argument that other people put forward, that we came from another planet. And the reason why our skin is not adept at dealing with the sun, which is as close as it is, and the atmosphere doesn't protect us entirely from it. And that's how the ecosystem also exists. That that is the you know that they point to that as evidence. What do you make of that? No, it's nonsense. Because you know, it, it, black people, their skin is is much more uh, much better at dealing with the sun because they have more melanoma in the skin, so they're less likely to get skin cancer. Of course, they still can. You should protect yourself, but that's an adaptation. But you, you know, the human adaptation is over an awful, awful long time. And when you think through the history of time where you've had things like the ice ages, where for generations there's not been a burning heat, you know, it takes a long time to adapt. And the idea that the reason we can't stand the sun is because the aliens dropped it off, dropped us off. It's just nonsense. <laughs> well, who knows? But you can, you can say that about anything, couldn't you? You, know? <laughs> yeah. so, you, know, you, you have intolerances or, you know, you, some people go bold. Why do some people go bold and some people not go bold? What is that? Is that two different alien species dropped off two sets of people? Just a bit more streamlined. <laughs> maybe you're a fish species of aliens or something. Maybe that's why I don't like fish. I lizard feel like I'm eating my own. Yeah, maybe you're yeah. a lizard person. Maybe that's what it is. It would explain a lot <laughs> when my tail fell off. Right, so we, so we have another one. Imagine if the cover of Men's Health had an enormous fat guy with his gut hanging over his belt and and people were saying the new standards of of attractiveness for men have been changed by mike who just drinks beer and eats cake <laughs> first of all my name's not mike okay but so that that was the inimical who was it uh rogan joe rogan. joe rogan it was it's joe rogan what he's talking about there is in terms of the standards that are portrayed in the media heavily heavily criticized by the way that women have been portrayed in the media. And now they are saying, actually, no, it is, it is okay to look that way. It is okay to have a little bit of flab on the old hips and speaking from that perspective and works for me. And, you know, and, and the different, you know, and it, it's very, very different. However, the same objectification, as you will, you're never going to see a dude who looks like me, bald-headed lizard fella, on the front of men's health. No, yeah. you're probably right. I think, uh, and I don't know, is it just a, a, a time in say, our evolution, obviously, um, that there's a huge movement now towards, you know, women and women look the way they look and they, sh they, they should be proud of the way they look. And you, you see lots of adverts on TV now with, with plus-size models and plus-size women and they celebrate the fact that we seem to have gone, well, have we moved away from that, you know, all women have to be size six and have to look in a certain way. And, you know, I think I think there's lots of young teenage girls that particularly are, that they're impressionable still with the way that they feel as so they should look. However, I think mainstream, I think there is a movement towards more recognition that people come in all shapes and sizes and you only have to look at some of the, 
some of the adverts on TV to, to recognise that. I wonder whether or not the blokes, it's maybe five years down the line or 10 years down the line or whatever. Is that just a natural evolution of everybody should be proud of who they are and what they are? And it, it, it's just that it just so happens that people are saying there's women at the moment and maybe five, ten years time it'd be blokes that are, it's okay to look the way that we look and everybody's self say that, you know what, that's absolutely fine. Fat and happy is good. Dave? There's perhaps two ways to look at it and, and absolutely people come in different shapes and sizes and people people should be treated for the people they are and not the way they look. But if the way you look is as a result of an incredibly unhealthy diet, I think what people might be looking at is not the actual physical appearance, but they might be looking at unhealthy and thinking that that's somebody that's perhaps abusing their body. Um, and that's why, if you talk about overweight people, that's why they're overweight. And I think that can be a different than just looking at two people. You know, are they attractive or unattractive? Attractive? Are they tall? Are they short? Are they a bit curvy or are they skinny? Now that is, you know, that's, you know, you shouldn't objectify people like that full stop and you, you shouldn't put labels on people. But I think there might be a perception of people that are overweight, in particular men or female, male or female, that it's driven by unhealthy eating and drinking habits. And maybe that's why that there's that perception, a negative perception. Not that they're fat or big, but it's the underlying reason. Yeah, it's interesting. And I do think that's the perspective from which Joe Rogan is talking from. You know, that's only a very brief clip of it. But I do believe that is the way he's talking in terms of, yeah, it's okay to portray people like this. But actually, that lifestyle he just talked about there, this Mike, he's been facetious and he's taken it to an extreme as we've sort of already established that social media will do, that drinking beer and eating cake is not a sustainable lifestyle choice for anybody. And actually by portraying Mike there on the front of there and saying, is it okay to be like this? We're actually encouraging people to do those unhealthy things that we know some of us like to do. Yeah, and it brings it brings with it cost to society. Um, there's a lot, lots of things, you know, gambling and other things that aren't related to your physical appearance or health have cost to society. Mm. Um, but being unhealthy generally is a cost to society. And there's an argument to say, well, who cares? My body do what I want. I pay my taxes. If I need looking after, I be need looking after. But equally, there's people that also pay their taxes and take more care for their body to prevent themselves from well, reduce the risk of needing, you know, hospital treatment and help and medical professionals. And they look on and think, well, hang on, I'm paying for you. You know, I'm taking care of myself. Why don't you take care of yourself? Yeah, fair enough. Guys, would you agree with that sentiment? It's difficult, isn't it? You know, everybody, most people have advice, whether it's, you know, eating, drinking, smoking, gambling, whatever it may be, you know, certain vices are seen to be unhealthy. Most vices are probably seen to be unhealthy, but I think I think there should be freedom to sort of do what you want and look the way you want and you know, carry on a lifestyle that that you want to carry on. And if you want to change your lifestyle, you want to change the way you you look then so be it i think i don't think we should judge i think we, we all agree with that i don't think you should judge somebody we just by the way that they look i think that that's that's awful people do it 
uh, I like to think I don't, but you know, lots and lots and lots of people will. They judge people just purely on the way that they look. Um, I think it's down to the individual. I think if, if you're overweight, I'm overweight. You know, am I unhealthy? Probably. Am I unhealthy to the point that I feel as though I, I need to change? No. But if I was to continue to be the way they are for the next 10 or 15 years, would I become so unhealthy I need to change? Maybe so. Um, I don't know. But I think I think everybody should be should be allowed to to be who they want to be and do the things that they want to do. Why is it whenever we talk about vice on this podcast, it feels like an intervention for you? Because <laughs> <laughs> I have so many, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Through me, maybe have two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'll let you guess what the other one is, folks. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I drink in a gamble. That's about uh, their Arrogant are you to think that you deserve to go through life with no one ever saying anything that you don't agree with or like. I, I want people to stop saying that joke's offensive. Yeah. I want them to start saying, I found it offensive. Because you've got our only emotion. Because that's all it is. You're yeah. just telling me how you feel about it. Yeah. There's nothing think... intrinsic about this joke. It's trying to make I'm offended sound important. Do we know who that was? Russell Brown. Ricky no. Gervais. Ricky Gervais, yes. Was it? Okay. Yeah. Was he being interviewed by Russell Brand now? I, I don't know. I, it only shows one half of the interview, and that was Mr. Gervais himself. So it's something he talks about a lot in terms of, because some people find his jokes offensive. You know, some of the stuff he says they find offensive. But what he says is you shouldn't find it, well, you're okay to find it offensive. You're okay to be offended, but you cannot say it's offensive. It's about you. It's about the recipient of the joke, not the deliverer. And, I'll, you know, I like that idea where he starts off and how arrogant are you to think you cannot go through your life without being offended? What are your thoughts on that statement? I think um, I, I think he's right. And I think there's probably you could probably put it into two sides of offense here. If you go to one of his gigs or buy one of his DVDs, then absolutely you you if you're offended, you're owning that offense it's you it's your emotion exactly as he says there's no way you can say he's been offensive he's not if he was to walk up to you in the street and say something that you took offense to i think it's a bit more difficult to say whether that's you owning the offense and becoming offensive or him being offensive i think it all comes down to intent if he intends to upset you or thinks that by saying it, you will take offence and be upset, it's probably wrong. If he doesn't, and there's no malice, and you are offended, then that's you owning the offence. Mm. So are you saying if it's like a personal comment that he makes to you, so he came to you and made something, said something very personal, very cutting and absolutely unnecessary to yourself. And so, yeah, he's at, he's at fault there. However, if he's, doing, so. yeah, if he's doing his stand-up and he says something and he knows the stand-ups will say things to get a reaction, you know, they like to hear him, they like to Jimmy Carr, can say something that literally make you cringe, that that's actually, it's okay because they aren't trying necessarily to upset you. They are trying to be humorous. I mean, I've seen, I've seen Ricky Gervais live. I thought he was very, very funny. But there were some things he said that made me, oh, man, I feel uncomfortable about that. Do you feel uncomfortable? Do you feel uncomfortable because of the way that you think other people will perceive that joke? No, it's nothing to do. I'm not interested in how other people see it. Do you it's think about me. you yeah. felt as though, okay, that's interesting. Because I know, I know sometimes a lot of people, you know, you, you'll, you'll hear something and you'll sort of go, <clears throat> and, and it's actually like, not inwardly you want to laugh, but you sort of think, 
actually that might offend loads of people. It doesn't really offend me, but that might offend loads of people. So therefore, you almost go like almost on their behalf. So I'm glad that you said that because it, it, it's you, and that goes back to what you're saying about it. it's you that own that emotion. I, I think to take your story about it, if Ricky Trace walked up to you in the street and said something, I think if if he knew that that was going to offend you and he knew that by saying it that would cause you offence and he continued to say it and therefore did say it, I think he's then in the wrong. I think if he came up to you and he said something and you were offended by it, then that's you owning that emotion and that therefore that that's on you and not him, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, interesting. So he's it's an interesting one, and I'd like to know if there's anything that he finds offensive, anything that he hears and thinks, oh, I don't, you know, or no, not that he finds offensive, sorry, anything that he's offended by. He's, offended you know, by yeah. yeah, so he's a great advocate for animal rights. You know, he's a vegan. And I do just wonder, you know, if someone would, you know, I don't know how would he take jokes about animal cruelty and stuff like that. <laughs> don't get me wrong. When you use that phrase, jokes about animal cruelty, I don't know where you start to make a joke about animal cruelty because there's nothing about it that's slightly funny. But you know what I mean? But but do you think that, and, and I don't know, uh, I don't know any huge stand-up comics sort of thing, but you, you made a point a minute ago at the, Comics say things to elicit a response because in order for them to be successful, to be rich, to be, you know, to earn a living, they have to elicit a response from the audience, whether that's a or it's a woo sort of thing, you know, they, they elicit a response. And there's a couple of people that, you know, you see clips on YouTube, the comedy club and uh, you know, comics absolutely rinsing people left, right and centre. And that one person might feel incredibly offended or insecure or whatever, but 99% of the crowd are laughing at them and therefore they're eliciting a response. And therefore, do the comics really, and I don't know, do the comics really believe the things that they're saying? Or are they saying it as a joke just to elicit a response, which then means that they can sell DVD, CDs, go on tour. I don't know. If you were to literally stand Jimmy Carr, Ricky face, whoever, 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 I'm trying to think of who were the real controversial sort of comics, but if you were to stand them up there and say, genuinely, do you actually believe in these things? Or are you just saying to elicit a response and therefore make sales? I, I don't know. I suspect some might just be doing it just to create a niche car for career. I don't know. And are you saying that's it's it's better or worse if they're doing that? Don't know. What what I, I was going to say uh, in that example you gave there, Gaz, where you're in the audience and and you're finding it offensive, but ninety nine percent of the audience are laughing. Ima imagine if that was, it was a hundred people and it was the case one found it offending, and a hundred didn't, and ninety nine didn't, and and the conclusion from that was that the joke shouldn't have been said. So you pick the next joke, and that's a different one person that's offended and 99 yeah. that laugh. And then yeah. you pick the next. Actually, you get to the point where you can't say anything. Correct. Because yeah. so, and I think this is probably Ricky Gervais's main point. Eventually, there's always going to be someone who will take offence. And if you stop saying stuff because yeah. some people take offence, you stop saying everything. And, and does it? And, and, and I agree with you, Dave. And I think, and I think it's that. Does therefore that go down to? 
even if this is even a thing I know the woke generation and you know people are offended by whatever it is they're offended by and certain people are offended by one thing and other people are offended by another thing and actually you know back in the day it's just like oh behave yourself do you know what I mean just come on crack on it's not that bad and I'm not saying we should go back to that I absolutely think that you know there are some things that you you can be and should be offended by but I I wonder whether or not the, the sort of the woke generation as you said Dave you know at some point somebody is going to say something that somebody will be offended by and therefore you know people will be listening to this podcast and they'll go oh can't believe that Adam made a joke about bloody animal cruelty and he didn't he just mentioned that you should be making a joke about animal cruelty but that's my point Adam. you didn't but people listen to it and they'll go they're talking about animal cruelty not going to listen to that podcast and it's like they got offended by the comment to with animal cruelty it's like come on seriously do, do you know what I mean it's that it's that generation of at some point I do think that at times people look for things to be offended by just just because they feel as though it's pretty cool to be offended by things. So I don't know. I, I, I'm with you, David. I think it's if you say enough, often enough, at some point people are going to be offended by it. That doesn't necessarily mean it's offensive. It just means that that person owns that emotional response at that time. Have we finally found a clip then that all three of us agree with? No, yeah, probably. probably. Hang on, let me try and be a bit contrary. Um, <laughs> I think we probably have. Yeah, that's got to be a first, doesn't it? And just just as a record, I have been in a, a crowd at a stand-up comedian gig where I was the guy that was picked on. And I've got to be honest that was, with you. That was, that was humorous. It was, was, it was, was funny. Cool. It was funny. It was, the guy, yeah. yeah, the guy was making jokes about me anally raping somebody, which I've never done, <laughs> to make it clear. It wasn't an actual incident that he wasn't talking about. But it was funny. The way he, t- the way he told the story was hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I, it's one of those. I guess some people could have found it offensive, but I think if you pay your price to go in, you know what that person's like, and you should probably expect to take that little bit of stick. So we'll move on now to the next clip. And we've been warming now for the last sort of 150 years or yep. so, yep. give or take, uh, since about 1850. There's something interesting about that, that period, isn't it? Tell, tell us about that, because it, why did they choose that point? Well, oh, that's... Because it's the lowest point. We are at one degree above the coldest it's been in the last 10,000 years. Which just, let's just repeat that. I mean, that's remarkable. And the other remarkable thing is it's two degrees cooler than the warmest it's been in the last eight, 10,000 years, which so, is the Egyptian and the Minoan period. Now, folks, let's, let's move on to something fun like global warming. This fella's saying, well, you know what? It was warming up anyway. Do we believe him? Do we know who he is, first of all? Do we know who he is? No. No. No, me neither. Professor Brian Catt. Never heard of him, to be honest with you. But he's a professor, so he must know what he's on about, yeah? No. Well, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) Go on, then explain. Tell us, tell us. Uh, It's true. We talked about the Ice Age earlier which obviously means it's been colder than when it's been warmer. And at some point in the past, it would have been hotter than when it's been colder. That's kind of what happens. It kind of happens pretty much every day and throughout the day, it's warm and then it's cold. Extrapolate that out. Of course, you're going to find peaks and troughs at the extreme. In no way does that explain or take away what we've been doing and what science is pretty clear that we've been pumping into the environment and depleting the ozone gases, 
or whatever it is, I keep getting corrected by my kids, it's not the ozone layer we're depleting, it's something else that means that the sun's getting through the ozone layer or something, but basically we've knackered it in the last hundred odd years. So are you saying then that he's using this as an example to excuse our behaviour, to say it's okay, we can keep doing what we're doing because it was going to get warmer anyway? Oh, without listening, without listening to it, it's hard to know where he was going to go. But if Just based is, on that clip. Well, he could have been being facetious. He wasn't. In, in that case, yeah, he's a nut job. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're offended, anyone. <laughs> Very good. Very good. What about you, guys? Are we entirely to blame for this situation or would it just got warmer anyway? Well, I don't know. As Dave said, I, you know, you, you go through periods in, in the Earth's history where it's been a, warmer than periods where it's been colder and and is are we just in the middle of a, a natural warming period we're talking about the melting of the polar ice caps and the rise of the sea temperatures and this that and the other and um, atmospheric differences well you know when you're in the middle of the bloody ice age and it started to warm up they you know it starts to warm up and the ice caps start to melt that that's just what happens are there things that we can do to limit, restrict, stop, not reverse global warming, if it's even a thing, then probably if we continue to do the things that we're doing, will the will the Earth continue to heat up at an ever-expanding and an ever-accelerating rate, possibly? So I think we are doing things that we're, we're not helping the environment. Would it have warmed up naturally? Yeah, maybe. Are we doing things to accelerate that warming? Yes, probably. Can we do things to slow that down? Yes, probably. I think it, it's a thing. I think statistically and scientifically, it's a thing. Global warming is a thing. Is it as severe and as serious as perhaps the mainstream media are making it out to be? Don't know. Mm. So there you go. So you're not agreeing with them, but you, you're saying there's a degree of scepticism in terms of we... We, the people, don't have enough information. To base yeah, I, 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 I think, and look, I think a lot of the, a lot of the clips that you play and stuff, you look at the role that in, in, in our current existence, social media, news media outlets, I think we're fed by social media, we're fed by various streams, we're fed by various groups and for every group that says there is evidence for global warming there'll be a group that says actually there's evidence that actually it's not warming up at all and actually in the next however many years it's going to get colder again you know so i think you're always a slave to the media and what they want you to believe but yeah I, I, is it a thing yes we're led to believe it is is it as bad as what people are making out i don't suspect it is do you think then, so like you say, the, the media will portray things one way and whether that's right, whether that's wrong, whether you believe it, whether you don't believe it, that is entirely up to yourself. But for those who don't believe it, there is these clips that we you know that we're playing that we've picked up from social media. They've got tens, hundreds of thousands, millions of views in some cases. And these sort of play to the idea that we're being lied to and that these conspiracy theories and the conspiracy theorists are correct. And there's, you know, and there is that sort of talk nowadays going from conspiracy theory 
fact, conspiracy fact. And I do think sometimes that these clips can, can play into them. And it's very, very difficult to distinguish what we should believe. I, I don't think, I don't think mainstream media or social media, I don't think, you know, necessarily they're lying. I just think they're portraying more heavily one side of the argument and, and, and therefore you're getting a biased view and you're not getting the whole story. I, I don't think necessarily that they're just damn right, although them, you know, there are obviously cases in the past where that's happened, but I think on the whole, I don't think that, that they're damn right lying about things. As I said, I just think that they present an unbalanced, biased view. And it's definitely not balanced. Yeah, I'd agree. It, it, and and therefore the you know the, the the populace are fed a narrative that they're led to believe is true, only because actually that the, the, there hasn't been a balanced counter argument to that. With global warming as an example, I mean that's pretty globally accepted by governments around the world. You know, no matter if you're one of the heaviest polluters like India and China. You accept that global warming is happening. They accept the part they play, and, and more developing countries say, "Look, well, we haven't got a choice. You lot have already had your industrial revolution. We're way behind. You pay us money, and we won't do it." And it's, it's an absolutely fair shout. But where's the where's the profit and motivation for the capitalists, the richest twenty percent that we talked about at the start, to perpetuate global warming? When you think that some of the biggest sort of things that that keep going like fossil based fuels, for example, which could be cut out quite quickly. It'd be very easy to do that if the governments around the world just said we're not doing that anymore. They want to keep them going. Yet at the same time, we need to stop that because of global warming. They compete against each other. It's hard to see that both agendas are being pushed by the elite few. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. And in terms of the, the chemicals that are kicked out by well, are affecting global warming, as we're told, it's something like 90% of them are produced by just 100 companies. And like you say, the fossil fuel industry, which is not going anywhere, despite what people think, is not going anywhere, is, you know, so you folks who are powering your electric cars, well, guess what you're doing it for electricity, which is created by fossil fuel. So you're not really saving anybody, but it's going nowhere, like you say. And the part we play, I think it's difficult to acknowledge when that information is obfuscated uh, at the top. You know, Google have influenced, have said that they influence people's search engines to make it look like you, Dave, Gaz, me, Andy, are all responsible for, you know, for, for our fair share rather than necessarily looking, well, hang on a minute, I might use this, this, and this product, which does contribute. But actually, when we look at who is the main cause, it ain't me. It ain't me. It's it's someone much bigger than me who, with no doubt, deeper pockets. So, so we have another clip. I think this might be the last one. The way things are supposed to work is the government should know virtually nothing about us because we're private citizens. We're supposed to know everything about the government because they're public servants. But everything is backward right now. And also look at the media. The media is supposed to be giving us the facts and we should be formulating our opinions based on that information. Instead, the media gives us their opinions, and we're supposed to decipher whether that's a fact or not. 
feels like we've come full circle there, doesn't it, from how we started? I'd like to say we planned it, but we never plan anything. So that gentleman, again, like you say, it's it's he's got that emotive music in the background. He's making some very powerful statements, which on the face of it are true. What do you take of that? And by the way, I don't know who that fellow is, but again, millions of shares. I, look, I, I've just said it, and it's almost like you, you teed that clip up just on the back of what I've literally just said. And it, 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 I think, I think the, the, the social social media and mainstream media are biased. I think it, that they present an unbalanced view, and. Okay, you can go down different media outlets to say this media outlet present this view and this media outlet present a, a counter argument to it. But if you only trust the BBC, you will have a certain they they will present a certain point of view, and there will be a certain bias towards that point of view. I I, I sort of agree with the clip in as much as what should happen is social media should present facts and you are you should form your own opinions of those things rather than social media or mainstream media giving their yeah. own opinions. I, I, I think that's a valid point. Do you, I mean, is it me? Am I imagining things? But when we watched the news growing up, it would share what I felt were facts. Nowadays, I hear somebody else's opinion and I'm trying to decide whether it's true or not. And I do believe there's a lot of truth in what that man says when he says well, that's that. Because they, but that's because, again, of, of the biased nature and the hidden agenda and actually they, they want... And, and, totally. and, we go, and we go back to what we said however long ago, 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, about politics and about the, the, the tentacles of politics stretching into various media and media outlets and all this that and the other. So they, you know their pockets to be in line to present a particular viewpoint and they will have people on there and they will find analysts they will find experts they will find whoever to present an argument the way that they want to present it and actually you sometimes you do question you go hold on a minute he's just told me that and actually that's not the case that's just him telling us what he thinks and that's actually not the fact and actually if you walk down the street and speak to Joe Bloggs, he could give you something completely different. But of course, they don't portray that because it, it, it's a it's a biased, one-sided opinion that they want to portray. I think there's also a danger that that the more that we progress and the more that we think that's what's happening, the more innately cynical we become, and we get to the point where whatever anybody says, we immediately assume that it's got a slant one way or another. You mentioned the BBC, and I occasionally look at the BBC comments, and it's it's a lot of people saying on the left, saying the BBC is so on the right and so biased. And then and another article, it's loads of people on the right saying the BBC is so left and so biased. And actually the BBC is trying to be impartial, but even in trying to be impartial or giving the impression that they're trying to be impartial, they're being partial. Um, you see when they interview people like uh, exit polls and they seem to deliberately pick people that are extremes so they can, you know, they, they'll pick someone who's clearly not well educated and, 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 and perhaps not very coherent in their arguments. And then they'll pick someone who's extremely or comes across as though they're extremely intelligent and know what they're talking about. So they pick extremes and think and think that's 
creating balance and it is not it's creating division and extremes it's not balance interesting interesting so I, f I find this one a very challenging one because like you say if you were to take a general look and I, and I totally agree with you there guys what you said first in terms of if you just follow one media outlet if you look at one person talking you're only going to ever hear that or one opinion and you need a balanced argument to form your own opinions but in the past i think we've trusted some of these news outlets to de deliver facts i used to love back in the day reading the independent because i felt it was written with very little slant to it yes there were some slants and you could feel, feel some of the political comments sometimes i get that but i always felt it was a very very good newspaper and i'm sad that it fell by the wayside but would i still be buying it now no i, I don't buy newspapers because you know you there's agendas that yeah there is whether it's whether it's printed press whether it's electronic press whether it's social media whether it's um radio every single media outlet has an angle they have a slant that that, that they're trying to because i suppose it i suppose in a way maybe it goes back to similar to the comic in as much in as much as the comics are trying to elicit a response and elicit a reaction media outlets are the same because you know currently and you look at all the clickbait stuff you know click 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 and actually that generates revenue that generates money that generates income for them and maybe not necessarily historically bbc because obviously state owned and all of that but certainly a lot of your private sort of organizations you know there's always an angle because you pull this is really awful that awfully sort of um, conspiratorial if that's even a word but you know people want to believe you know that they're always looking for an angle so people will read and and until you get and i'm not saying we go to one media outlet and it's a, a balanced argument because that it just goes back to a real horrible system and I do believe in freedom of speech and freedom of expression and this that, and the but but they should be and it goes back to what we said 10 minutes ago they should be presenting facts and they should provide now they might provide a series of facts and they might not necessarily be balanced facts but at least they're facts now if you if you question your own knowledge enough to then go look for facts that counteract that and then are able to make an informed decision I think that that's the best way we can go because I think a little bit of information is actually hugely destructive and, and quite powerful. You, you have got all the facts, you just got a little bit and you think you've got a lot of it, but you haven't and you've only got one side of it. So having a little bit of knowledge instead of having everything is, is actually incredibly powerful in the wrong way and it's quite destructive. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, how we fix it, I don't know, but every media outlet has an angle of some form or another and, and that's just the way it's going to be before we go then because bear in mind we're over the hour mark now i have to edit this podcast what what do you make of the first half of that statement then in terms of I mean, just quickly you guys about us being private citizens and the government being public servants I think both of the both the statements that you made were spot on and, it, and in an ideal world that's how it should be we should know about the government and the, and the government in terms of what it's doing that's not completely intrusive 
in terms of individuals. It's about what they do and what they do as a public servant that, that matters. Uh, and we are private citizens, and why should the government know everything about us? Um, it needs to know enough so that we pay our right taxes um, and we get the right benefits and we get access to the right services, but it doesn't need to know about our personal lives, our hobbies, our interests, our political viewpoints. No, no, I'd agree with that. Gaza? Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's hard to distinguish between the individual and the populace. I think the government need to understand and need to know about the populace and how the populace see things. Do they need to know the individuals? No. And how you balance between those two things, I'm not sure. And that that's that's for people way above my pay grade to, to decide. Um, I think in order to get a reflection of what the public feel and what the public want, they have to have they have to understand how the public feel and how the what the public want and what the public perceptions are, but they don't need to know DC beans, Joe Blogs down the street or whatever. They don't need to know that, but I do think they need to know the sway of opinion from the populace as a whole. Well, you virtually virtually quoted the jam there when you said the public gets what the public wants but i don't care what society wants or whatever the lyrics were and interesting enough that segues into what we've got next week because next week we have as long as they turn up god bless them you know because i guess didn't tonight that we have someone who's living off the grid so he has gone underground besides a quote the lyrics and that don't we tie things together nicely some days so we're at the end of the episode <laughs> the episode why don't you share your final thoughts and your goodbyes yeah look i missed the first one and i've really enjoyed it tonight it, it, it's look every now and then it's nice to have a, a slightly more of a i say serious you know there's a couple of light-hearted sort of clips in there but i think more, more of a serious conversation because i think we we do have to challenge each other and we do have to challenge things that we're presented so i really enjoyed it look forward to the next one whenever that may be and um, it's a shame our guests didn't turn up you know i always like it when we, we have guests on but equally I, I love just chewing the fact with you guys so yeah no, i enjoyed tonight and uh, look forward to the next one indeed indeed dave yeah i'd echo gas really um following on from the one we did a few weeks ago it's it's good to discuss these things the things that affect us all um our listeners they you know i'm sure they've got their own views and opinions and maybe Listening to ours might provoke some thought um, and make people have these conversations. So, yeah, all good. Indeed, yeah, and I hope it does. I do hope it does. And if you do have this conversation out there, just bear in mind there's three people here who've had that conversation tonight who don't agree on everything. In fact, we don't agree on most things based on what, certainly how we started off. But, you know, I make no apologies for what I believe. Dave makes no apologies for what he believes. And Gas makes no apologies for what he believes. But we can still all be friends. And we can still believe in different things and we don't need to be enemies. That's just something that the social medias can teach you from time to time, that if people don't agree with you, they aren't your friends and that just simply isn't the truth. So that's what I would leave today with. And I would thank you all for listening. And we'll catch you again next week and say take care. Mm-hmm.